King Culture presents a plan for longevity, a health and wellness initiative for men. Why health? Why now? At King Culture, we are equipping men to become selfless leaders. And part of selfless leadership is developing a strategy that ensures not only your well-being, but the well-being of those you're responsible for. Traditionally, men have been programmed to have that Superman yeah. uh, complex to where we're um, where we're always being the hero, where nothing gets us down, we're, we're always strong and we're always solid. But we know that's not always the no. case. Yeah. I'm Dominic Perviance, and on today's episode, we're talking about how to navigate the healthcare system. I think one of the biggest deterrents is just the cost. You know, mm -hmm. you end up in certain situations and then this isn't covered or you got to pay more than was expected. Like you're just in these weird spaces where you don't know the math, you don't know the numbers, you don't know to what extent you think you're covered until you get in the situation and realize something is messed up. Navigating the healthcare system can be challenging. Today, I sat down with Joe D'Angelo from Emory Hillendale Hospital to discuss the challenges we face and some specific hacks we need as men to navigate the system to get the care we need for ourselves and those we care for. Stay tuned, the King Culture Podcast starts now. So let's get into it. So I wanna welcome you to the King Culture Podcast. This is our Plan for Longevity series where we are focusing on health and wellness. Mm -hmm. I am pleased to welcome to the podcast today, Mr. Joe D'Angelo and he is the VP of Operations for Emory Hillendale. Mm -hmm. So if you would just uh, take a moment to introduce yourself and tell us uh, what your role is in the hospital and uh, how did you uh, enter into the profession? Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me here today. Very excited to be here. So as you mentioned, I'm the Vice President of Operations uh, for Emory Hillendale. And my primary responsibility is partnering with clinical and administrative teams each day to make sure that the hospital runs effectively and efficiently. Um, so I, I, I work with individuals each day to make sure our patients receive the best care um, and receive quality care, but also make sure that um, all of our staff and our physicians have the resources they need to provide that care. Uh, I've been in healthcare for about 15 years now. Worked in all different sectors of healthcare. Started off my career in uh, in, in insurance, so learning a lot about healthcare insurance, how it's funded uh, federally and statewide. Transitioned to working with the Department of Health and Human Services. Got into healthcare technology, working with quality assurance programs. Really understanding how to build those programs. Um, from a state and federal level. level. Uh, then I got into academic medicine. Uh, so I spent six years at Duke University Hospital, uh, starting off as an engineer. Uh, from there, I was promoted to a management role where I got to lead a team of engineers really looking at data analytics and performance and process improvements. And from there, uh, I got more into op operational role. So um, I got opportunity to be administrative director of all of ambulatory surgery. So I was able to lead all of the outpatient clinics for uh, Duke University Hospital. So did that for about three years. And then from there, I transitioned down uh, to, to Emory in Atlanta, um, where I've been in my current role um, for, for a little while now and, uh, and, and really enjoyed it. So that's kind of my background and how I got into healthcare and operations and, uh, and, and really looking forward to, to what's to come. Right. Great. Thanks. Um, so I guess a good place to start, we've spent a lot of time uh, um, 
a couple episodes already in our series just really dealing with preventative things like mental health and mm-hmm. um, physical fitness and um, nutrition. Now we're talking about if you are at a point where you actually need to get care. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you, uh, what do you do? What do you need to know? And where do you need to go? Mm-hmm. And so probably the best place to start since your expertise is in hospitals is really, uh, it sounds like a dumb question, but like, mm-hmm. you know, there's so many different places you can go. You can go to a primary care doctor, mm-hmm. you can go to a clinic, yeah. you can go to urgent care, um, you go to the emergency room. Mm-hmm. Um, so with all of these different options, if you actually need to get care, how do you know what place or where you should go first? Mm-hmm. And specifically, when do I know, uh, what do I get from, what kind of service do I get from the hospital? Mm-hmm. And how do I know if I need to go there? Yeah, no, so that's actually a great question. And so I wanna first start off by encouraging uh, everyone and all men particularly to ensure that they have a uh, primary care provider if possible. And along with that, ensuring that you're doing your annual visits and your physicals and your checkups each year with your primary care physician. And I think that really kind of starts the foundation of healthcare yeah. um, and really uh, setting a good health pattern for your lives. Um, so, so primary care is, is, is kind of the baseline standard. And from there, um, you talked a little bit about hospitals and emergency rooms and um, and, and uh, urgent, care. urgent cares and things of that nature. So I think, you know, you know, the hospitals are really designed to provide um, a wide continuum of care. So hospitals provide, you know, emergency room care, they provide uh, in, inpatient treatment, they provide outpatient surgery, uh, they provide uh, radiology services, uh, pharmacy services. Um, a wide range of care. When you start talking a little bit more about um, your emergent care uh, facilities, these are these are uh, organizations that's really designed to provide immediate stabilization and treatment um, that you uh, that you can't get. Like maybe it's during an off hour, so maybe it's like. Uh, you know, two o'clock in the morning and you can't go to your primary care and you're feeling really ill, then maybe you need to go to the emergency room. Um, And a lot of the standalone uh, quick access uh, critical care institutions are designed for individuals who may not have uh, insurance or may not have uh, benefits and then they go seek treatment at these uh, standalone urgent cares, uh, which are similar to emergency room, um, but don't have the larger scale capability. So that's kind of some of the differences between the different institutions and what they're designed for. Uh, how do I know if I have, if I'm experiencing some kind of medical conditions, how do I know I need to go to emergency room mm-hmm. versus just wait to see a, your your mm-hmm. primary care doctor or specialist? Yeah, so, so I, you know, I look at primary care as kind of like your annual routine visits to make sure you're in good health and in good condition. Um, these are not always emergent situations. They may be things that you're just uh, somewhat concerned about. But if you're in excruciating pain or you're feeling, you know, extremely faint or you really feel like that you have a emergent situation, I would encourage anyone to make sure that they're going to you know, the emergency room immediately to seek care. Um, so the difference is really kind of um, determining what the level of emergency is with your case and how you're feeling. So 
um, you know, don't don't delay care yeah. um, first and foremost. Uh, but really, if it's more routine, uh, I would say primary care um, and, and not emergent primary care. Um, but if it's more emergent, I would say visit the emergency room and the, and the hospital to really seek that uh, higher level of care. Now, I know we talked before, you know, there is a there's a tendency in certain populations to overuse the emergency mm-hmm. room or the emer- there is no primary care. So it's just emergency yeah. room is where you go if there's anything yeah. medically wrong with you. What are sort of the the negative sides of using the emergency room as your primary where you deal with all of your primary health issues and not having some consistent doctor that you're seeing on a regular basis. Yeah, so so there's a lot of reasons why the emergency rooms are used um, in the way that you described in different communities and different populations. Uh, I think the the benefits of having a primary care provis- uh, physician is that you have that long-standing relationship with a provider, um, you're you're getting seen on a routine basis to make sure that your 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 healthcare uh, and your health stays in line throughout the year. Whereas uh, emergency rooms are really designed to treat uh, situations and and illnesses at that particular point. Um, so they're stabilizing, they're providing that care, they're providing that treatment at that point in time. But uh, pre and post care looks different. And that's why you really want to make sure that you're um, obtaining a primary care physician and building that relationship. So your health care is is optimized throughout the entire year and not just at that specific point. Um, That's one of the other other things uh, that I wanted to address with you is just some of the the terrence of there, there's some some people that overuse kind of health care mm-hmm. yeah. emergency rooms and there's some people uh, particularly men that just there's always this hesitation mm-hmm. to go yeah. to the doctor yeah. Yeah. um and there are a lot of reasons why one um is it's just sort of the feeling that we have to sort of take it mm-hmm. on the chin and be yeah. strong and not yeah. not you know go see a doctor whenever mm-hmm. when whenever there's something wrong with us mm-hmm. But there is sort of this history of distrust mm-hmm. um, of hospitals and the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, can you talk about some of those deterrents and what would you tell a guy if he is experiencing some medical issues mm-hmm. and he just yeah. doesn't trust the hospital? Yeah. Um, he maybe had a bad experience of his family or relative, or um, he just feels like he should tough it out. What, what would you suggest? Yeah, so again, great questions. And I think, um, Traditionally, men have been programmed to have that Superman yeah. uh, complex to where we're um, where we're always being the hero, where nothing gets us down, where um, you know we're we're always strong and we're always solid. But we know that's not always the yeah. case. Yeah. Uh, so I, I I will also say that I truly understand um, some of the apprehensions about going to uh, you know get get care and, and some of the societal and longstanding historical factors that's played into that mistrust. I certainly understand that. However, I do want to encourage that each person uh, has to be an advocate and has to be responsible for his or her care. Um, a lot of times we see individuals delay care uh, and that can 
a lot of times mean the difference between life and death. Yeah. So I think all of us at some point in life has had some type of experience with a healthcare provider or a hospital or an institution that hasn't been pleasant. But I think we have to understand that uh, the continuum of care is not gonna always be perfect, but it certainly saves lives. Yeah. Uh, so we have to be a champion for ourselves um, because we know that our health is our wealth and we know that um, our families and a lot of people are dependent yeah. on us. So we have to make sure we're well first and that's a, that, that should be one of our first responsibilities. Yeah, uh, you, you mentioned the idea of being an advocate mm -hmm. for your own healthcare. We, we've talked to a lot of physicians mm -hmm. in preparation for this podcast series. Mm -hmm that came up in almost every conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, you have to be responsible for advocating for your own care. Right. Um, how can you be uh, best equipped when you go see a doctor to be able to be your own advocate? What mm -hmm. are the things that you need to know? Mm -hmm. And how do you manage the, the experience to make sure that you get the kind of care that you need? Yeah, so I think you really need to, first of all, not dismiss how you feel. Uh, if you start, if you notice that there's a, you're consistently feeling a certain way, make sure you're keeping track of that. Yeah. Make sure you're able to, and if you need to jot it down, jot it down and make sure that you're keeping track of how you feel. So when you go to the doctor, you can say, hey, on such and such a day to such and such a time, I was feeling this way and this is continued for four or five days. So you're really, uh, monitoring how you feel, but you're able to communicate that with the physician so he can provide you the best care. And really champion, championing that and being an advocate of that. Um, asking questions. So a lot of us, uh, when we visit hospitals or we visit physicians, we don't necessarily understand the lingo. And we've, yeah. and we, we've really, in healthcare uh, over the past 10 years or so, um, really have been intentional about making sure that we communicate in the way that patients can understand us yeah. and getting rid of some of that medical jargon. So asking questions if you don't understand um, and really um, trying to understand what your what your care plan may look like and how long it may be and if you are gonna be on any types of medications. And um, another thing I'll also encourage is making sure that you have a good understanding of your family history. Yeah. Uh, really understanding, you know, if there was any type of chronic diseases within your your families, uh, your your families uh, it, within their certain individuals in your family, making sure that it, you know, certain indiv your individuals may have had hypertension or diabetes, or, um, or or just these chronic conditions. So making sure you have a good a good understanding of what your family history looks like. Yeah, um, some of the the terms that we've heard from some of the guys we talked to about uh, seeking treatment is just the cost, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I think yeah. I was sharing yeah. with you earlier, you know, I had a friend who uh, was in the hospital. Um, it was a, a dire situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, he, when he woke up and realized that he's gonna have a, a huge bill, yeah. I mean, he left the hospital before he yeah. actually, prematurely before he really got finished treating. Mm -hmm getting treated for what he needed to get treated yeah. for, came out with a, a, a huge bill, thousands and thousands of dollars. Right, right. Like, what do, you, what do you say to people that are afraid to go to the hospital mm -hmm. because they're, and then this guy had insurance, mm -hmm. so it wasn't like a, an right. insurance issue. Right. Like, what do you do 
uh, what do you say to people that are just afraid they just can't afford it? Yeah. You know, so we certainly have uh, a tremendous amount of opportunity uh, within the United States to to really optimize and decrease our cost of care. Uh, I don't think that's a secret and that's been the case for many years. Uh, when it comes to um, individuals fearing the cost of care, um, certainly understandable. However, I think you have to weigh, you know, again, life and death, yeah. you know, um, who is depending on you, you know, what do you, um, what, what do you want to be an example for? So you may have children that's, uh, that you're, uh, that you're leading or in the household and you want them to see that, Hey, dad's trying to be, dad's trying to be strong. He's trying to be a champion for his care. He's trying to be here for us. You want the pattern, the care, the, the type of behavior and care, uh, for, for, for your children and for others. So I would encourage others, um, we have a long way to go with with uh, with healthcare costs and laws and rules and regula regulations, and I certainly don't have all the answers yeah. um, to that. But I would say you really have to weigh, um, you know, who you're here for, and yeah. you want, and, and we all want to be around for our loved ones, and we all want to be around for many years. Uh, another thing is when when you get those uh, medical bills, so. Uh, there's a lot of room for error in, in, in healthcare, and that includes billing. So, you know, really understanding what your bills look like, um, and and you know, making making sure that they are correct, and you know, talking with different individuals, um, maybe at, at the hospital or different institutions that can walk you through those bills and walk you through those codes and help mm -hmm. you understand what they mean to make sure that they've captured everything correctly. So, um, so, so really being a champ, again, a champion for your healthcare and then a champion for the services that you receive. All right. Um, I, I guess because you're over, uh, hospital operations, um, maybe you can best explain just why does it cost so much? Mm -hmm. Like, especially yeah. th there's a difference in costs between, uh, yeah. Uh, if you go to emergency room, right. things cost 10 times, it seems like more yeah. than if you go see a specialist or, or something like that. Yeah. So can you just give some insight into into how co prices are determined and mm -hmm. why things are so expensive? Yeah. So that's really a multifaceted, uh, there's the multifaceted question where there's a lot of reasoning behind the cost. Um, there's different things such as legislation, insurance companies, uh, you know, healthcare supply cost, mm -hmm. uh, equipment cost in the hospital um, to do these different tests and procedures. Um, of course, compensation for individuals in the hospitals, facility costs to keep the, the, the cost of the buildings and things up. Uh, there, there's multiple things that go into the reasons why Healthcare has become uh, increasingly high over the years, pharma and other things. Um, so that's really a multifaceted right. question, um, but it, it it is a big opportunity for us um, to really address and and really do a uh, uh, a kind of a ground level check on how yeah. we can improve the cost of care. So that's certainly yeah. an opportunity. Now, how do you? Um can you describe the relationships between the relationship between hospitals and insurance companies, mm -hmm. and how does that work? And what does uh, a, a patient, a potential patient, need to know when yeah. they're sort of navigating hospitals and insurance companies? Yeah. 
So at a very basic level, uh, a hospital is designed to provide, first of all, safe care and quality care to, to any patient that, that visits the hospital. And so when that hospital provides a certain level of service or a procedure or treatment or surgery to that patient, um, there is there could be uh, coverage by the insurance company. So the insurance company determines what level of coverage and how much coverage they want to provide for a specific service or a treatment. And once that service is rendered by the hospital, then if, if covered, then the insurance company reimburses the hospital for those services. So if you're covered at 100%, and a lot of times, then you may not receive a bill. If you're covered at 80%, then the patient is responsible for that balance um, from the insurance company. Um, there's a lot of different things that go into insurance, such as premiums and co-pays and specialty pays and specialty costs and things of that nature. Um, so that's I think that's a whole nother discussion. Yeah. But at the very basic level, that's the relationships between insurance and hospitals. And sometimes it's a love-hate relationship yeah. between the yeah. two. Yeah. Um, and sometimes the patient's kind of stuck in in the middle, in, in the yeah, middle yeah. between those in, b between those two uh, uh, entities but that's the basis of, of the relationship between the two I guess uh, one of the challenges is if you're a patient you go into the, you go to the hospital you get treatment you're not told what things cost you're not mm -hmm. told mm -hmm. what insurance is going to cover and what insurance yeah. isn't going to cover yeah. and then yeah. you you know you either get a you you do your copay or whatever and mm -hmm. you go home and like you know two weeks later you get yeah, a bill yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like well it is not you know and it's it's all just the patient experience it's just yeah. really all confusing you know the doctor says we're going to recommend you mm -hmm. do this you just need to sign off on it saying it's okay you yeah. have no idea right what, right what you're signing up for right just how do you what advice do you give to a patient that's it, it, said all of this is a deterrent right mm -hmm. so i don't want to go i don't know what i'm bill i'm going to get mm -hmm. stuck with how can you just be better prepared Mm -hmm. um, for when you're going to a hospital and you're getting treatment, just being able to navigate what's being covered and what isn't. Yeah, no, I, I certainly understand. It can be a very intimidating process if 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 you haven't been through that level of care, and and even if you have, for those who've who've had multiple experiences with with healthcare providers, it can be very in, intimidating and can be a very overwhelming um, uh, process. Um, however, I, some feedback that I would give to individuals when going through that, again, is um, that preparation. So um, whether or not you may be sick at the time, always understanding what you're covered for, always understanding what your medical history is, always understanding what your family history is, because that's going to give you the best uh, preparation to go in and be able to communicate with your care provider. So it starts with preparation. The next thing is, again, really engaging your physician at the time of treatment to understand what's going on right now. How am I going to be treated? How does this affect my life? Does it affect my life or, or, or the way that um, um, my daily routine goes? So um, am I going to have to receive rehab? Am I going to have to receive therapy? What types of medications am I going to be on? These are all really questions that um, you should have queued up to ask your physician if you don't understand. Mm. And then from there, um, so post-care treatment. So a lot of times in, in, in larger hospitals and larger healthcare systems, we've implemented positions um, called navigators. 
um, nurse navigators and other nav navigators within the social work spectrum who, if it's gonna be a long continuum of care and a long care plan for a patient, these are individuals that are assigned to patients to help them navigate the healthcare system, to, to give them calls and say, uh, hey, Mr. Jones, call in to remind you that you have a 10 a.m. Um, appointment on Thursday. This is what's gonna happen at this appointment and this is what's gonna happen. So we're, we're working in healthcare to really get these roles such as navigators to help um, navigate patients throughout the yeah. continuum of care. Um, but I would, the, the points that I mentioned earlier is really gonna help you prepare to be successful and not so overwhelmed. It's always gonna be a certain level of apprehension, but that will uh, at least prepare you for your for your visit. Yeah, but what I'm, I'm hearing is just there's a lot of preparation. Mm -hmm. So you just don't show up at the hospital. You know, yeah. you need to yeah. do some research on, you know, mm -hmm. what, what your symptoms mm -hmm. are. Yeah. Um, do some research on what your insurance covers, right. and just know that. So when you're when treatment is being recommended, you can know how mm -hmm. to uh, best make make decisions. Um, what a you know, so much of, uh, you know, healthcare in, in America is, mm -hmm. you know, so much tied to employment. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes if you lose your job, then, yeah. Yeah. you know, you have to figure out how to find some other insurance options. Yeah. What it, what advice or what resources are available if, if you're sort of in between jobs and mm -hmm. you, for whatever reason, lose health insurance coverage and you still have to get some sort of treatment, how do patients sort of navigate that? Yeah, so I think that's another great question. And a lot of times there are unfortunate circumstances where individuals don't have that uh, coverage from the employer. Uh, there are alternatives um, to, to having coverage. So um, I'll talk about a few of them. So the first is for, um, Medicare, which is a, a federally funded program for individuals who are 65 old and older um, that provides coverage for them regardless of income status. Um, Medicare is also available for individuals who are uh, deemed uh, disabled and receive benefits from Social Security or individuals who are suffering from end-stage renal disease. Uh, Next is Medicaid, um, and, and I'm sure uh, a lot of our listeners have heard about Medicare and Medicaid. Yeah. Medicaid is more of a, of, of a state-funded uh, program for individuals who um, are, are of, a, of a certain income status um, and don't meet uh, the certain threshold for, for, for certain salaries to receive regular benefits. And then there's the what we call the CHIP program. Um, which is a, a program specifically designed for children under 18 to provide them benefits um, and coverage um, if they don't have a traditional uh, insurer from, for, from their employer. So those are three different programs. And then there's the, uh, the healthcare marketplace, um, where you can obtain different types of insurance this covers. This is from the Affordable Care this Act. Is, this okay. is um, a product of the Affordable Care Act. Okay. Um, so the insurance marketplace where you can find um, re reduced rate uh, insurance plans that are more affordable for individuals um, to, to then obtain and, and, and seek care. So those are a few options that we have in place um, for individuals who don't have that traditional coverage from an employer. All right. Um, that's the last question is if you had to give any advice, um, a lot of our listeners are, 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 are men 
mm-hmm. sort of 18 to 34, yeah. sort of navigating this, the, you know, um, leaving their parents, getting on their own, starting mm-hmm. their families, starting their careers. What advice would you give um, um, our audience if uh, if they if they desire to have better long term health outcomes mm-hmm. and utilize utilizing the healthcare system? What are um, some basic things that they should be doing? Yeah. So basic things um, would be I call it daily maintenance. Um, you know, I, I live by. I live by the motto that your health is well. Um, so making sure that you're intentional and and getting that routine physical activity as much as you can each day. Um, eating healthy. Um, so you know being intentional about choosing foods that are you know low in sugar, low in salts, uh, low in carbs, and, um, and and combining that with a healthy lifestyle and physical activity. Um, would be the first thing. So taking charge of, uh, of your health care, uh, really drinking a lot of water and staying away from processed foods and, and, and carbonated drinks and things of that nature um, would be the first thing. And then um, I think I mentioned earlier, um, not being afraid to establish that care with a physician. Um, so even when you're young and you're feeling the best and, and feeling like Superman, establishing that care so that you have that you're starting to build that uh, that medical documentation and, and medical history, um, and not um, not being afraid to say that you don't feel good or you don't feel right or um, or you're in pain, and not delaying care, you know, and really going to seek to seek treatment when needed, um, but also. Um, Encouraging other men, young men, yeah. uh, encouraging other men to 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 step out and to be um, an advocate for themselves, because you have to remember at the end of the day, um, someone is always depending on us yes. um, in some capacity. Someone is always looking to us, so we have to make sure that we're in the best possible condition that we can be in at that time, and that's a responsibility for all of us. Um, so those are a few things that I think that you can that every young man can do and begin to champion at a young age. So you're building that healthy um, pattern as you get older and really monitoring your care and really taking taking charge of, of who you are as an individual. So those are a few things that I think uh, every young man, every young man can do. Thank you. I appreciate this. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you for having me, too. Thanks for listening to this edition of the King Culture Podcast. For more information on a plan for longevity, visit us online at kingculture.org and fill out your personal health inventory. Follow us on social media at King Culture Inc. And don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe.